0: Hello friends, this is Matthew, the parish pastor at Trinity Eastside. Welcome to the Trinity Podcast. Our reflection for this morning is going to come from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 21, verses 23 to 32. And so I'll read and then pray, and after praying, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll dig in and I'll share a couple of thoughts with you that came out of this text. When Jesus entered the temple, the chief priests and the elders of the people came to him as he was teaching and said, By what authority are you doing these things, and who gave you this authority? Jesus said to them, I will ask you one question. If you tell me the answer, then I will also tell you by what authority I do these things. Did the baptism of John come from heaven, or was it of human origin? And they argued with one another. If we say from heaven, he will say to us, well, why then did you not believe him? But if we say, of human origin, we are afraid of the crowd, for all regard John as a prophet. And so they answered Jesus, we do not know. And he said to them, neither will I tell you by what authority I am doing these things. What do you think? A man had two sons. He went to the first and said, son, go and work in the vineyard today. He answered, I will not. But later he changed his mind and went. The father went to the second and said the same. And he answered, I will go, sir. But he did not go. Which of the two did the will of his father? They said, The first. Jesus said to them, Truly I tell you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes are going into the kingdom of heaven ahead of you. For John came to you in the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes believed him, and even after you saw it, You did not change your minds and believe him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray together. Spirit, we thank you that you are one, that there is one spirit, one father, one baptism, one faith, one church, and that even as we are scattered across our city this morning and across our country, you are the one spirit that binds us all together. And so we pray that you would in very personal but also in very unified ways, speak to us today about what this text is inviting us into as citizens of the kingdom of God, how we embody that today in our moment in history. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, so I'm just going to move through this text. There's a, lot of, um, there's a lot of details in this that I think are really fascinating and that are worth kind of digging into a little bit. And, uh, but really this text has two main movements. The first is this in conversation with the chief priests and the scribes. And then immediately Jesus goes into the second part, which is a parable, which we'll look at at the end. So the first thing we need to note is that they came to him, these religious rulers, they came to him because Jesus had authority. His presence and his preaching had authority. It was clear and evident to anyone who heard him or experienced him. There was just something about Jesus and we see this throughout the gospels. The very very beginning of the Gospel of Mark, Matthew, Luke, as Jesus begins to open his mouth and just speak, the 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 almost the unified response in concert is where did he get this authority? So there was something about Jesus that required Everyone who encountered him to have to try to explain him, which I think is just wonderful to just think about for a minute. That Jesus was not a person who sort of could passively move through the world and that people could you know, take or leave one way or the other. But there was something about him. Some immediately decided to follow. Others fell and worshiped him. worshipped him. Some, many even, resisted him, even hated him, tried to destroy him. But no one was indifferent to Jesus. I was trying to think of like a contemporary example, and there's you know there's there's positive and there's negative examples of people I can think like of today. But I've been reading for a while now this um, biography about the civil rights movement, particularly about uh, Dr. King, called Bearing the Cross by David Garrow, Pulitzer Prize book from a few decades ago, and in it, one of the things that just is obvious is that. Dr. King was was far more hated in his day than he was loved and revered. And it's interesting because today there's almost universal reverence and and love and respect for this man. But the reality is is that our our reverence and respect for for Dr. King is is not actually for Dr. King. It's for what um, some have called the quotable king. It's for the parts of him that we um, ha, that we like, that that make us feel good about ourselves, that highlights the capacity in all of us to be good human beings, good citizens of this earth. And but the reality is, is that um, Martin Luther King Jr. was was a man who was deeply despised by the majority of Americans, by the majority of Christians, by the majority of church-going, God-worshipping, Jesus-following Christians. In his day, um, he was not a person that people had neutral opinions about. There is something about holding authority. There is something about speaking the truth that is going to force people on one side of an issue or another. Jesus similarly cast a dividing line everywhere he went. There was no option to put yourself um, but on one side or the other. And so the chief priests, um, they ask him this question, and Jesus, uh, wonderfully, I love it, he, he says, I tell you what, I will tell you where my authority comes from if you will answer one question for me. What an opportunity. I mean, what a moment this is. Jesus is, is saying, I will tell you where my authority comes from if you'll answer one question. And he asks them a question about John, John the baptizer, who, whose ministry by, by now was over because he'd been executed um, by by Herod, but he... Um, during his day he was a galvanizing polarizing figure out in the wilderness, a prophet who divided the masses. and so he asked them, well, what about John's highly effective authoritative ministry? Where did that authority come from? And the chief priests and the scribes and the elders they don't they can't answer it. Jesus didn't ask them a question that they couldn't answer. He asked them a question that they, wouldn't answer. They are controlled in this moment not by facts or even by conviction, but by fear. Fear of the crowds, fear of what Jesus will think, fear of what his rebuttal will be. Similar to Jesus, John and his ministry had forced a decision, and the attempt to remain moderate and nuanced and politically neutral around John was impossible. And so they respond in Um, they respond by saying, we don't know. We don't know where his authority came from. And I think actually they do know, or at least they thought they knew. They thought that John was a false prophet. That's what they thought. They were just unwilling to say it. The thought uh, that I just kept having as I was sitting on this text this week is, is just, man, what, what, what if they had just had the courage to say what they actually thought? What what would Jesus have said? If they had said, we think Jesus uh, John was a false prophet, well, Jesus would have responded. He, he asked them a question. He didn't ask them a question that they were going to get right or wrong. He asked them a question they were either going to answer or not answer. What a missed opportunity. I mean, for Jesus to speak directly to the source of his authority. There's a principle for us here. We will only encounter Jesus if we can state where we actually are. If we, in some ways, are willing to abandon the attempt to be subtle and nuanced and, and to just actually acknowledge like where we actually are, even if we are pretty sure that he's going to say, but you know that's the wrong place to be. Because only by actually stating where we are will Jesus meet us in a way that is redemptive. If these guys had just had the courage to say what they actually thought, what could have happened in their lives? What could be different? How many of us right now are trying so hard to have some kind of a f- artificial, mechanical relationship with God, where we hide behind Christian cliches and are just unwilling to acknowledge that we actually feel um, we actually feel detached and distant? lonely and isolated, angry even, at God, to just be where you actually are so that Jesus can meet you. And so at that point, Jesus moves on. He tells a story in the presence of these chief priests and elders about the difference between stated obedience and actual obedience. Which is better, he says, to pretend that you are obedient, but actually to disobey? Or to initially be disobedient, but in the end, come around to obedience, which is better. And of course, they know the answer. It's better to actually say you're not going to do something, but then in the end to do the right thing than to say you are going to do the right thing and then actually decide you're not. Jesus essentially says, your pride is keeping you from the kingdom. The tax collectors and the prostitutes were unable in that day to stand on their pride. They lived in what sociologists call an honor-shame culture in which the greatest societal currency was honor, in which the most detrimental societal debt was shame. And prostitutes and tax collectors, who were traitors and sellouts to their people, they had no pride. They had no honor. And so they didn't have to trip over it on their way into the kingdom. Jesus is just simply saying to these people, whose whole life had been built on the construction of honor, through religious power and authority and so on, He said, there's a way into the kingdom of God, but you must first be willing to abandon your pride. Leaving their pride behind to follow Jesus was going to force them to embrace something which others would say would be shameful, uh, to go back on things that they had said, to appear to be inconsistent flip-floppers. And yet the invitation of Jesus to them in that moment, and I believe that invitation remained open to them beyond this moment, even as they went home and puzzled over it thought deeply. The invitation was always available. Are you willing to abandon the things that you have up to this moment looked to to sustain and define you so that you can find your way into the kingdom? The invitation of Jesus to the men in this story is the same invitation to you and me today. It is the call to be bold with where we are, even if where we are is not where we know we should be. I think that's that's the real power of this story, is that the tax collectors and prostitutes, the reason that they were getting into the kingdom ahead of the religious rulers is because they knew where they were. And the commitment and the dedication on the part of religious rulers of scrupulous, moral, conservative people to toe a line, to not offend was actually keeping them from being able to receive from Jesus the life that he was wanting to give them, the life that he called the kingdom of God. And so, Jesus, would you come to us? Would you please? Lord, we are scattered. We are tired. We are confused. We are uncertain. We are living in strange days. We are surrounded by mixed messages we are being pulled in all directions. We are trying to be people of peace and people of justice. We are seeking to be people who love our neighbor. Holy Spirit, we need you. Speak to us, God. Help us, help us to have the clarity and the absence of pride to be able to be where we really are so that we can receive you as we really are. Amen. Bless you, uh, brothers and sisters. Grace and peace. Uh, May you remain healthy and well, following closely in the way of Jesus. Hope to see you soon.